You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you, David, Kyler. Um, <clears throat> it's great to have him here. <clears throat> His first official day of work is Wednesday, and uh, we will be meeting, I think, with breaks for dinner, meals, all meals, and sleeping for about six hours a night, and then we're going to be sharing his responsibility. So we'll let him know all the stuff that we're dumping on him uh, this next week. And it would be appropriate to do so with uh, the title of this message, um, which is, Let Us Not Be Weary in Doing Well or Doing Good. This is the title of a series that I should ask. So let me ask you, and, and by the way, do pray again for... Our team getting home from Cuba, we have at least 11 people who are sick, and Josh Tate has really had a rough go of it. He is doing better, though, at least before this first service. Uh, Arlene texted and said that his blood pressure was under control. Blood pressure, he was dehydrated, a lot of issues. So it kind of reminded me of Ted down in Suriname this past year. So... Be praying for Josh especially and all of those who came home not <laughs> feeling their best. <clears throat> I want to ask you if you have lived long enough to identify patterns in your life, whether negative, positive, or neutral. Patterns that find expression in behaviors or attitudes for different areas of your life, different facets of your life. Some people are comfortable with their job, their homes, their church, their weekly routines, yearly celebrations, and others uh, are constantly changing jobs, buying new cars, looking for new experiences, and they consider a change of circumstances to be a challenge or an opportunity for growth rather than a potential crisis. Most of us are a mix of the two, but we sort of lean one way or another. <clears throat> Where you fall likely has to do with a couple of things. Your personality and how you were raised. Where you grew up, uh, you heard it, you repeat it. Uh, so think about that, parents. You heard it, you repeat it. They're hearing it, they're going to repeat it. Um, but have you identified patterns and rhythms that have no discernible origin? Like, for instance, you ever just find yourself for no good reason feeling kind of sad, feeling kind of blue? I mean, I'm surely like that. I can, everything's fine, but all of a sudden I can just sort of feel myself going into a funk. Now, <clears throat> for me, I can listen to sad music and then I'm good, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't last that long. Allison listens to Christian music that's really comforting, encouraging, and I walk, and a lot of you, that's how you get out of a, a funk, right? When you, you just put on some uplifting music, and I walk into the kitchen, Alexa's play. I'm not sure Alexa is saved, by the way, but Alexa is playing the music, you know, it's, good, it's soft, and I'm like, oh, that's really good. I didn't even know I was discouraged, but I am, apparently, because I feel better now that I've been in here. But most of the time, 
you know, old school, John Denver, Travis Tritt, they'll do the trick. Sing a sad song and then I'll feel better. One of the causes of discouragement among those who tend toward optimism is weariness. God built Sabbath rest, Sabbath worship and Sabbath rest into our lives, into our weekly schedules for a reason. We need rest and we need to trust God will meet our needs even if we take one day a week away from our business and our jobs. Weariness can come from too much of too much or it can come from doing good, doing well for a very long time. When we are weary, we are susceptible to quitting too soon, to falling into sin, allowing others to do the heavy lifting because we're over here dropping from exhaustion. It's not that well, my coach did just one day. I, I think I'm good. This would be a good day to let my colleagues down, my coworkers down. Or I, this would be a good day to just kind of let the Lord take over. I'm just going to let him down. It, it's not that at all. It's just that we're tired. As it is with individuals, so it can be with organizations. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Some of you have not been attending that long. I, I imagine there are some here for the first time today. But it's, it, it, I'm not saying anything dramatic about our church. It's a cycle that all churches go through. And I don't know about you, but I've just sensed a, a bit of weariness over the last six months or so. People are just tired. And I understand why. Some of you have been serving in children's ministry and other ministries for years with very few breaks. Some of you have hosted a home group for years. Now, if you're a home group host family, it depends on your personality, whether that is a drain to you or if it energizes you. I'm going to guess most of the hosts are Extroverts, maybe, maybe not, but um, some of you have your home visitor ready at all times, and others of you have teenagers and children in the home, right? And you need a deep clean every week if you're going to host home group. Not only have many of you been serving for years, but our church is growing. At least we have a lot of folks checking out whether or not maybe this would be the place to be. Um, last week, we had 60 more people than we did this time a year ago. And that's been consistent all summer. It may not be quite that much of a difference this week. But it's been that way for a while. And they're just now starting to open up the homes that they're building all over the place in our area. So there's going to be a lot of growth. <clears throat> for three out of the next four Sundays... I want us to spend time in Galatians 6 where we will find encouragement for weariness because all of the growth that we're having, if we're growing in numbers, but the workers in our ministries are not growing, you can understand why weariness might be a consequence. Uh, so we're going to spend time in Galatians 6. Uh, this is not intended to be three weeks of admonition but rather three weeks of encouragement, although there will be warnings and exhortations in every text. 
The key verse in this three-week miniseries from Galatians 6 is verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So, here's the question. How do we not give up? Question. When we're tired, the rest of the chapter is going to answer uh, the question. Here's a preview for today, next Sunday, and August the 6th. Today, we're going to be looking at Galatians 6, 1 through 5, and the title of the message is, We Need Each Other. Then the subtitle, The Blessing and Responsibilities of Community. Next week, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 10, where we will understand how much we need the strength of the Lord to persevere in our well-doing, as some of your translations say. And then on August 6th, we need to embrace the cross in the face of persecution. A lot of the persecution that the early church was facing or experiencing was kind of a lot like we're experiencing today. People having trouble getting jobs if they... Checked out your social media. Well, I guess they had social media in the first, uh, first century. But they do now, and they're checking out your job. And if you say too much about the Lord, well, we don't want you. It's that type of thing. But they were facing a much stiffer persecution in about 15, 20 years from the time that those letters were written. Some of them were written very close to persecution, like Hebrews and 2 Timothy. So we need to embrace the cross in the face of persecution. I'm going to be away on July 30th, and Scott Colbreth will be preaching, and then again on August 13th when David Calvert will be preaching. We're going to begin our time this morning reading verses 1 through 10 in Galatians 6, although we're only going to focus on the first five verses. So if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, now let me just really quickly clarify because I'm going to say this later. This doesn't mean if you're caught in the act, kind of like you catch your children in the act, you know, when you say, what are you doing? And their hand is like that far from the cookie or whatever it is. And they're like, nothing. Nothing. That's not this kind of. If any of you falls into a transgression, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, though, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught in the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. 
And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, and be seated. I'm not sure there is any way to calculate the blessings that have been missed by American evangelicals because of the church's overemphasis on the importance of an individual, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now hold on just a minute. Before you draw your gun or your phone, please let me explain. I'm not saying that an individual personal relationship with Jesus is unnecessary. It absolutely is. It is the bedrock, the foundation of our relationship with the Lord. And it, and it is required for salvation. We have to have that relationship with Jesus. What I am saying is that if you overemphasize the individual aspect of the Christian life, it's easy to begin to judge other believers, churches, opportunities, and ministry only through the lens of what's best for me, what works for me. And we are not created to live alone. One of the very first things God says about man, he was not created to live alone. There is no way when we are living in isolation that we can fulfill the law of Christ. And there's no way that we can effectively participate in this already not yet kingdom. Just like it is in every family, individual believers have responsibilities, personal responsibilities. But they are most fulfilled when they do that and when they fulfill their responsibilities in the context of a family unit. Last week, I produced a chart from Michael Byrd that addressed questions and answers about God's love found in Romans 8. And this week, the chart comes from Andrew Doss for Galatians 6, 1 through 10, highlighting the amazing mix of individual and corporate interaction in fulfilling God's will found in these first 10 verses. In verse 1A, there is corporate responsibility. You or you all who are mature, restore. These are plural forms, the transgressor. 6-1B, individual accountability, but watch yourself. Now, it may be a group of you that will be helping this person overcome a sin or a struggle, but each one of you better watch yourself lest you also be tempted. Then back to the corporate responsibilities. Bear, plural imperative. It's a command. Bear one another's burdens. And look, if you live this Christian life on your own, how can you fulfill that responsibility unless it's just in the context of your, your own family? But he's talking about a church family. Then in three to five, once again, individual accountability. Each must examine his own work and Bear his own load. These are singular forms. And verse 6, corporate responsibility. 
the pupil supports his teacher. Then in verses 7 and 8, individual accountability. What you sow, you will reap. Individually. It would be true for a church as well, but specifically individuals. And then 9 and 10, back to the corporate responsibility. We Christians should do good to all, especially to fellow believers. So here is a question with an incredibly easy answer. Is the Christian life one of individual responsibility or is it intended to be lived in community? Yes is the answer. So let's look at our text before identifying points of application. Verses 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one, another, not one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the first verse in chapter 6, not surprisingly at all, connects what will follow with what has gone before back in chapter 5. And if you don't remember what was stated in Galatians 5, when I quote verses 22 and 23, that'll help you remember. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In chapter 5, the Apostle Paul contrasted the fruit of the Spirit with our own efforts to serve God in the strength that we have on our own. And when we are serving God in the flesh, it always disappoints. The flesh is, is great at imitating the Spirit. The Lord says, this is how you are to live for me. And the flesh is saying, okay, wait a minute, I think I can get this. And it's like, yes, I got it. And really, the more you know about God and his word, the more tempted you will be to serve in the flesh, in the power and strength of the flesh. And doing that is just another one of these causes for weariness. In Galatians 6.1, the emphasis here is this. In the Greek, you get this emphasis. If anyone were to fall into sin, although... It's beyond me why someone who is walking in the Spirit would fall into sin. But we know that they do. And when they do, be careful in how you restore that person. Restore him or her gently. So the expectation is that believers will walk in the Spirit. But it's also expected that we will fall and that we will fail. And when someone in our midst falls... The rest of us need to gather around and help restore him to the place of family life and service, doing good for the others. Now, a lot of churches sort of have the notion, if someone sins, then bring them in and hang them high, you know, light them up, we got to Take care of this sin. And, and, and yes, we have to. If there's no accountability for the way that we live, what are we doing? Why don't we start just doing self-help talks on Sunday morning? It's the Word of God. And of course, we have to. It doesn't mean anything if we're not accountable. But 
the way that we deal with sin is very important. And one of the best ways for us to fall, be tempted and fall in ourselves is to be smug in the way that we deal with others who struggle. I knew you were going to do, I knew you were going to mess up. Didn't I try to tell you this? Hmm? Hmm? Didn't I try to tell you? Um, so the apostle Paul is saying, no, don't you remember the spirit in chapter five? In, in fact, verses one and two of Galatians six, follow the admonition in the last verse of chapter five to avoid conceit and envy. So, verse 1 indicates both the importance of correcting sinful attitudes and the gentle care with which restoration must be practiced. There is no hint of negativity in this text, in the process of restoring a fallen brother or sister to full communion. If a person is repentant and willing to be restored, then there's no need for public correction. That only comes in a far bizarre circumstance where someone is saying, I'm going to live any way I want to. You can't do anything about it. And, I, and this is my church. That's when we step in and say, well, no, the whole church has to have a say on that. But that has happened one time in my 25 years. Don't it be 25 years in August that I've been here. And that's only happened one time. I don't expect it to happen again for a long time. But we must, we must remember this charge to restore gently. Even if there's a trial period before public service is once again um, restored. When we gently restore those who have fallen and we help bear the burdens of others who are overwhelmed, we fulfill the law of Christ. Now, this is interesting, this phrase, the law of Christ. Jesus is all over the book of Galatians. And chapter 6 is no exception, particularly at the beginning of this chapter and at the end of the chapter. Since Paul had spent five chapters arguing that no one will ever be justified by keeping the law or by the works of the law, Coming to the Lord and saying, just like children come to us and say, I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. I'm a good girl. That's the way we, a lot of people are going to stand before the Lord. Don't, didn't you see how I did these things and I didn't do those things? Paul said, no, we can't be justified that way. So clearly he's not saying in chapter 6 when he says, you will fulfill the law of Christ by helping others. This is the way to salvation. What he's saying is... The law of Christ, the moral law of the Old Testament, and even the attitudes and the, and the spirit with which that law is to be kept that Jesus showed us how to do, is expected for us. We're going to fail, but there's no way to say Christianity is this kind of religion. Trust Jesus as your personal Savior, then live any way you want to. That's not it at all. Sharing the load, verse 2, is also a major benefit of living in community. Some burdens are just too big to bear alone. Spiritual, emotional, physical burdens. We are family and we are designed to need one another. 
Now, you thought I was going to say, if you were thinking ahead just a little bit, and if you're still with me, we are family, and we are designed to help each other. No, we are designed even to need each other. Helping other people is almost our version, the Christian version of a humble brag. You know what I'm saying? You're happy to go and help other people in need. But you don't like receiving help. Why? Five letters. P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Well, I mean, you know, I, I do have 103 temperature, but I can go through the drive-thru. I can, yeah. Let somebody help you. Maybe that's a good spiritual discipline to allow ourselves to be helped when we have need. Some people share others' burdens by praying with them, checking on them, by bringing meals and or by filling in for one who needs a break in ministry, to name a few. Now, Kyler is going to be out there <clears throat> meeting people after the service, but he's also hauling a bunch of books in from outside. I know we could make short work of that if we help him. So I'm, my gift is supervising. I'd like to get several of you. No, just kidding. My pastor in the mountain said my gift was pointing, <laughs> spiritual gift. And he was the biggest pointer of all time. So <laughs> I guess it was projection, you know. In verse 3, we get a, a glimpse of the sort of person who would refuse to bear other people's burdens. The one who thinks too highly of himself. And in this, what, the case I was just mentioning, too highly of himself to allow other people to help him or her. Such a spirit is anything but Christ-like. You'll recall from our study in 1 Corinthians that a spirit of elitism within the church is a recipe for disaster. It usually develops when a spirit of legalism arises in the church. A spirit of grace seeks the common good, and everyone benefits from a spirit of grace. I don't think we struggle with the spirit of elitism here at Grace, although it's always a temptation. Perhaps more common ways that we struggle are, well, I've put in my time, it's time for somebody else to do that. Or enough gifting um, would be, that's just not my area of gifting. Uh, both statements can be true, but they can be abused as well. We, there, there's no way <coughs> we want our senior saints, some of our senior saints, helping haul those books in today. And we don't want them feeling like they need to serve in the nursery. Uh, but, and also you should not volunteer for a position that is clearly out of your gifting. Some of you are great with children. Not so much with teenagers. Others of you are the opposite. <clears throat> some of you are good teachers, great teachers, and some of you are excellent technicians. Some are both. What happens, though, when the same few people are cleaning up after every church event and the same people are serving children's ministry week in and week out, year after year? <clears throat> 
it's a recipe for burnout, or at the very least, for weariness that leaves us open to Satan's attacks. What is the solution? Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. Ah, you might be thinking, I knew this was a trick. Come on, suck it up and get, get to your burden. No, 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 that's not it at all. Look, does verse 5 contradict verse 2? No, again, not at all. Verse 2 is a load that is not designed to be carried by one person. Anyone here ever moved a piano? I mean, the real deal, not, not, you don't do that on your own. A few years ago, four guys from Grace helped my daughter Autumn move a piano in Holly Springs from one home to another, down the steps, and I was doing my best supervising, I'm telling, but no, but they, and I knew if I picked up that piano, I mean, it, it really could be bad news, but you don't move a piano by yourself, whereas the load of verse 5 is more like a family is taking a hike on the Appalachian Trail. And you're walking and each person has a backpack. And you expected this within the first tenth of a mile. One of the children says, my bag is heavy. And your parents are really good at saying, honey, do you see? I've got a backpack. Daddy has a backpack. We all have a backpack. Hang in there, it will be worth it. So where does this leave us? Think of today and next Sunday as one message. I'm going to offer more specific suggestions next week, but I want to prepare for those suggestions by sharing three points of application or principles from today's text, beginning with this one, which Looks like about half the sermon. Praise God as in you should praise God for bringing you into the family at Grace Community Church. There is no interpretation of scripture in which you can properly understand that you are to live this life that you've been given by the Lord apart from community. Nor that it is a good idea to move from community to community in regular intervals. The local church is a covenant community. Now this point, and especially what I say about Grace Community Church, is not intended to be arrogant at all. It just means that we are in this together according to God's design. I know that most of you take church life very seriously, especially if you've been here any while You've heard enough sermons, you've gone to enough home groups, or you've seen youth ministry. You know that we're serious about our walk with the Lord. We try not to be too serious about ourselves, but we are serious about following Jesus. And we mess up. We all do. We, there is grace that is needed. But, but still, we take church life very seriously. I don't take for granted that you have a job. That is very demanding. And your family needs to be a very high priority. So when you give like you do on Sundays and, and throughout the week here at Grace, 
It is in much, much appreciated. The worship team, the, 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 the technicians, the guys in the back, the, the AV, the sound, the, 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 the sight and sound, if you're from Pennsylvania. Um, these guys are here from 745 in the morning until on Sunday morning until afternoon. A lot of them don't get out of here until 1215, 1230. So just think about that time. And then they've been here Thursday night as well, practicing, preparing. Others of you have been doing what you've been doing for a very long time. Thank you. The New Testament refers to the local church as well as to the universal church as a building, a body, and a bride. All three metaphors identify individual believers as part of a whole that includes other people. If this is the place that God has planted you, thank you, thank Him for putting you here and jump in. If you've not yet attended a discovery lunch class, a discovery lunch or a grace connection class, I would encourage you strongly to do so. For those of you who have attended grace for a, a, a bit, or for those who are brand new, our next discovery lunch will be on August 6th, immediately after the second service. I'm not sure what the menu will be. I'm sure it'll be something like duck confit or subs. I don't know. One of the, it, it'll be, I'm not exactly sure, but I'll, yes, uh, what'd you say, no roast beef? Oh, no, rice and beans, okay. <laughs> Says the Cuba man. <laughs> Who loved rice and beans, <laughs> Eight days ago. <laughs> Not so much now. But the discovery lunch will give you an opportunity in an informal setting to interact with our elders and, and staff members. The next Grace Connection class is going to be August 19 and 20. That's our membership class. Not that it means that you automatically become a member, but it is required if you're going to be a member. But if even if you're just checking out, do I want to be in this place? Is this the place where the Lord is putting us or not? You'll get to learn uh, about what we believe and what elder rule, how that structure works. How does it work here at Grace? And what are the opportunities to serve here? If you've been here since the church was founded in 1994, or if you are brand new, but you're becoming convinced that this is the place where you are meant to be, then we need you in the same way your body needs shoulders and elbows and knees and toes. This will help prevent weariness for having, for having, or from having too much of a say here at Grace. Second, work at understanding the principles of Sabbath in your life, in your family's life, and in your life as a covenant member of Grace Community Church. Even though New Testament believers are not obligated to follow the Sabbath laws that God required for the nation of Israel, Sabbath worship and rest is a principle that helps focus our hearts on Him. It may seem strange to you, but my Sabbath is Tuesday. Sunday is a very, very full day for me. Um, and Monday, we have our staff meeting, and then Tuesday has become pretty much a true 
Sabbath for me. I'm, I rest, and it's very easy for it to get crowded out, uh, and, and it just doesn't happen. But it turns out that that's the best thing. Towards the end of the week, I'm writing the sermon all weekend long, oftentimes. And so it needs to be early in the week, but that's just a good time for me. What's it, what is it for you? If you're working here on Sundays, are you taking some time during the week where you can pull back and focus on your worship to the Lord? Not just rest so that you can get the energy to go back out there and make a lot more money or be more effective at making money next week, but genuine, intentional rest and worship of the Lord. God has built rhythms into our lives that we ignore at our peril. Not only were God's people to observe Sabbath worship one day a week, but the lamb was to be given rest every seven years. And in both cases, trust that God would take care of his obedient children was necessary. One of the challenges that we have at Grace is that more people in attendance necessitates more services from the church. But if there are not new people to step in and say, let me help you move that piano. Let me put my shoulder to the work here. Then those who have already been serving for years are in danger of succumbing to weariness. I love that one of the founding principles of Grace Community Church is that our church is not going to be program-driven. You know the kind of programs that get started and they go till the rapture. But rather, that we will provide ministries that will help the body to build itself up in love, which will enable us to be effective in pursuing our purpose, which is to exalt the Lord, establish believers, and engage the world with the gospel. So in other words, there may be times of rest for you from ministry. Again, more specific thoughts next week. The final point. Remember that you are responsible before God and the church for bearing your own load and for helping others when their burdens are too heavy for them to bear by themselves. Now, I'm so glad these points are both on the same screen. Don't look at verse, th- I mean, number three, point three, and say, well, there we go. You know, you got to do it after all. No, look at, look at the second point as well. Building in these times of Sabbath in worship, stepping aside, understand that we still are part of a family. So next week, a lot more suggestions uh, to understand the rhythms and seasons of church life and ways to address, if you're a Tolkien fan, the rumor of weariness among us. Some of you need a break. Just because you take a break doesn't mean you're not part of the family for a season. Um, We need to pick up our backpacks, I mean, and get hiking, going on the trail. Just imagine, children, if your parents said to you, you know what? Your mom and I, pretty weary, so we're going to take a break. For six months, we're not going to cook any meals. We're not driving you anywhere. Hope you get everything worked out. Uh, But we just got to step back. It's too much on us. 
I'm sorry. Look, it could be that a break from cooking or a date night or a special trip as a couple might be in order. But parents are still parents. And teenagers and children, you're still part of a family. And it's right for your parents to assign responsibilities to you. So if you say, I'm weary from taking out the trash, then it's fair for your mom to say, I'm weary from cooking your supper and I'm not going to do it if you don't take the trash out. I need a break. Your parents might need a break too. I've heard this from quite a few of you. Again, I'm, I'm really, I promise you, I am not in any way trying to sound like this church is something really special, although I think most of us feel like it is. I hear a lot of you when you come in say, I'm just amazed at the unity and the family feel that exist here at Grace. Amen. Our unity and family relationships are from the Lord. We know that. They're from the Lord. We've not always been as unified as we are right now. And the peace that we currently enjoy is fragile. And it's day by day. Just like that, it can turn. It's done that in the past. The unity that we have is hard won. A lot of you came in after many years of struggle that we went through. Not just I went through, but the church went through. And it takes work to maintain unity. And the type of work that we have put in over the last 10 to 12 years to bring us to the place that we are can bring weariness if we allow it. Has it been worth it? <laughs> Absolutely. Remember Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Think of your place in the family. Whether it, if this is the place God wants you to be, think of your place in this family as a privilege. Or if it's somewhere else, when you get there and you're like... This is it. I'm sure this is where we're supposed to be. Think of it as a privilege. You're not supposed to serve year after year after year without a break. Even elders and deacons and staff get sabbaticals from time to time. And while Sabbath worship is designed to be so much more than a break from routine, it is at least a rest and refreshment. From the routines that tend to wear us down over time. Always remember that we are part of a family. And we are called to serve one another. Really at a higher level. A far higher level, level than we are called to serve the world. We don't serve the world well until we serve one another well. What a great family this is to be in. I, I hope you feel that way. I surely do. Lay down your burden and pick up your backpack. And pray that God will strengthen us even in our weariness. More next week. Let's pray.
Oh, Father. So many things that cause us grief, <laughs> we bring on ourselves. But there is a weariness that can come from doing good. And there are times that we have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Lord, soldiers, when they're on duty, they don't get a break. And it may be extreme and hard and farmers and athletes, all of those analogies in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we are called to endure as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. But there are times that we need to take a break. But there are even more times that we need to come alongside one another and bear one another's burdens. And so, Lord... Um, in these days, may we find renewed peace and strength and courage, discipline. But may it be spirit-drenched. And may we be blessed as we serve you. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.